Coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. If you ask Odell, Odell, how do you feel about reparations? I think reparations will come and this is necessary come. You may ask somebody else how they feel about reparations and say, oh my God, never, never, never. When I was in Raleigh, I met a couple of legislators and they said, man, your citizens really stepped up. They want to fix their schools. You know, it's interesting with schools, good schools come good jobs. There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any black the, people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, not Bill? One. Not one. Come on, Bill, one. you got to have one a token nope. black person. A token. And there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids, and I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for better understanding. Bill, as you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the best bed sheets ever. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. Odell, you know, Mike's making a special offer to on these Giza sheets uh, to our listeners. You can get this set of Giza sheets for as low as $29.98. You know, the first night I slept on these sheets, man, I'll never sleep on anything else again. Mike is making a special offer for our listeners. Yes. They can get the sheets, the Giza sheets for as low as $29.98. Yeah, that's right. Our listeners are the only ones that can get that. And the way they do that is they can get it a number of ways. One is you can call 1-800-238-7281. That's 800-238-7281 and use the promo code COMMON. Or you can go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code COMMON. That number again is 1-800-238-7281. And remember, use the promo code COMMON, C-O-M-M-O-N. Thank you so much for your support. Father God, we just come to you, just asking you to please continue to help us and keep us as we continue to serve you and your people. God, give us protection, but more important, Holy Spirit, give us insight. In Jesus' name we pray and believe. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we uh, lift up our school systems and safety. As, as Odell and I are speaking, there's another active shooter in downtown Atlanta that's killed some people. Lord, we ask for safety and uh, protection around our schools and our, our students. Lord, uh, thank you for the opportunity to serve on the school board. It wasn't something that was expected, but you obviously opened up the doors. And uh, thank you very much. Amen. 
Amen. Bill, you know, we heard about for a long time, critical race theory. Uh, we really could never explain it. Some could, some couldn't, but we don't hear about that anymore. Then we start hearing about indoctrinating our students instead of educating our students. We hear about that sometimes, and I think that's one of the main narratives. But now the new thing is woke mind virus. And I think that's come from uh, Governor Ron DeSantis down in Florida, or how I call him, Ron DeSantis down in Florida. But Bill, again, congratulations on being an elected official. You were appointed on the Guilford County School Board, which is a big deal. And school boards all over the country look like they're either suing each other, people are fighting to get on the school board. What is it about the school board, Bill? What power, what magical power the school boards have? So now we're talking about a woke mind virus. Yeah. And that name also came from Elon Musk. He started using it and the, the governor picked it up. Well, to answer your question, I don't think anybody can explain wokeism to me. I've tried to listen. I'm going to pull it up here in Google in a minute. Well, we have a minute and see if it, there's a way that is that's explained. But your second question about what is it about the schools that get everybody, you know, you never heard of issues at the school board meetings. Now you get people screaming and shouting and protesting and all that. You know, and I've been on school board not that long, so I'm still learning. But, you know, what I'm finding is that the people that are active in it from that standpoint are taxpayers. So they're concerned about their tax money, how it's being used, and they want it used properly for the education of the youth in their area. They also are very energized that we don't indoctrinate students, but we just teach them. And that comes to some of the critical race theory stuff. The critical race theory has been made to believe that it's an indoctrination of the kids on a particular subject, you know, it uh, it could mean uh, things like uh, white people are bad because of slavery and, and black people have been suppressed and they need compensation. You know, it goes across the board. I don't think there's one thing that you can set in it, but they're worried about indoctrinating as opposed to teaching. And I kind of understand that because if you're a teacher, your job, I don't think is to indoctrinate, it's to teach. In fact, I know it is. So, you know, the folks are saying, hey, get our arithmetic, our math going up, our English going up, our science is going up. You know, let's work on that as opposed to all this other history stuff that turns into critical race theory. My position is I agree with them that we should get our primary education items up. And today I sat through a couple hour orientation and I'll be doing some more. But one of the things that struck me is because of COVID, the education level of the students has dropped back to the 1990s in their scores, mm. test scores. We've gone way back. Now, Guilford County, we were moving ahead of everybody and uh, we were doing really well, but we got hit with the same thing at every school system. And they've done studies throughout the state of North Carolina and nationwide. And sure enough, you know, the kids are back 10 to 15 years. So what Guilford has done, which is kind of interesting, they started two programs and both of them are designed to help students where they're at get up to the level we were before the pandemic and then grow from there. And they become pretty successful on these programs. I haven't gone through them. I've seen the data, but I want to I go and sit and talk to the people and really dig into it. You know, it's interesting, Odell, when you have a child, they don't come with an owner's manual. 
They don't come with the ability to say, here's how you raise this child to be this way. You know, we all stumble through it. We rely on our parents. We rely on our friends. We rely on our church, the school, the synagogue, whatever it is. It is a family that you get together to help you raise your child and, and you stumble through it. You know, I know myself, my first children, I learned a lot what not to do. And mm-hmm. uh, I can't imagine what my parents went through with eight kids because I was the first one. So they probably learned a lot what not to do quick. But the, so they uh, experimented on you. Yeah. Yeah. And look at how I turned out. Yeah, I'm very proud of what they did. So my point is that you don't come with an owner's manual as a child for your parents. And the schools don't have an owner's manual for the students. We know what we're going to teach, what subject, but we don't know how that child interacts with that teaching and that learning. Some people learn visual, some people learn reading, some people learn tactical, you know, it just it just depends on the students. So the burden is on the school system is we have one system to teach math. What we're trying to do is say, you know, we may get 80% or 60%, but there's 20% that are really gifted and there's 20% that are struggling that need some assistance. So what they're saying is, how do we help those other 40% get going? You know, let the high achievers go, bring along the middle of the rotors and the people that are struggling, bring them up to par. And maybe there's a couple of gems in there that turn into uh, super achievers. So that's our dilemma. And then you add to it facilities that are six decades old on average. So you can imagine the facilities and the learning where you learn. So we don't have state-of-the-art things. The good news is the uh, Guilford County passed about a $2 billion worth of bonds to fix the schools. So that's going to take us a long way to growing. But as you can imagine, it is a big number. But when we get a quote for a school system, and by the time we get go through the system and get ready to build it, guess what? Inflation hit. Costs are way up on materials, uh-huh. on construction materials, if you can get them, supply and demand. So, you know, it really hit us hard. Like we had a, a school, Claxton, which is in my neighborhood. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but to give you some idea, we got a bid for, say, $40 million to build it or 50. It's now 60 or 75. Same stuff. And, you know, that just cuts into your overall budget because when you built this, when we started looking at this in 2000, I think it was 21, we had some people come in. I'll get that date right. But we had a bunch of people come in and look at our school system and said, if we were to upgrade our school system, what would it cost in today's money? Well, that was two years ago. And it was about $2 billion. And we got a bond for around $2 billion. I think it was 2.4 they recommended. So an interesting Odell, that amount of money is the largest bond for a school system in the history of the state of North Carolina. So it's in the whole state, in the whole state, in the whole state, in the ever, ever. So it's a big deal. In fact, when I was in Raleigh, I met a couple of legislators and they said, man, your citizens really stepped up. They want to fix their schools. And, uh, you know, it's interesting with schools, good schools come good jobs. Uh, Definitely, because you're training the future. Now, Bill, from a representative of District 3, and you have how many students or how many parents are you representing, sir? 8,000 students, 13 schools. So it's over 8,000 parents. So when you go out and about, 
What's some of the things that's happened since? Because you've been on there, I think, about a month, but really 10 days because of the situation with your brother. And, you know, of course, me and all the audience send out condolences. And what do your constituents say to you? Well, I've gone out and met some. In fact, I've got some meetings tonight and tomorrow night. And I was at an event last night and the night before. And as I get to meet the constituents, and I've got a lot more to do, they are eager to sit with me and talk to me about the school system. And uh, it's not like, oh, what's wrong with the school system? Let me tell you. I'm sure I'm going to get some of that. But it's also, I think they want me to hear their story. What's going wow. on? Is their child being bullied or is, is the scoring system is not appropriate? Or uh, we have a STEM school we'd like you to come and check out because we're very proud of it. And we, you're our representative. So we want you to understand and keep funding us. So it's across the board. I had some people come up to me and thank me for my attitude on Facebook where people were really, really, really slamming me. And uh, my approach is, you know, I ask them, okay, you know, I hear you. Appreciate your comments. I want to go out and have a cup of coffee and talk about it. And uh, most people don't take me up on that. In fact, I've even invited some of them to be on the podcast and they haven't taken Wow. And, uh, so people who are chewing you out, you say, hey, uh, it's hard to hate up close, as we always talk about. Hey, come, let's go to Panera Bread for a cup of coffee. And when you meet people for a cup of coffee and folks like, no, I'd rather sit behind the screen and just keep cussing you out through the keyboard. Pretty much, pretty much. Except I did have a couple of people come and meet me and meet Dory and I over at Panera Bread. Quite frankly, after we got done talking a little we reached common ground and um, they apologized for what they said on Facebook. And uh, wow. And I, I forgave them. I said, yeah, it's not a problem. I understand you're passionate and that's an important thing that we discuss it. And you know, I wanted to know where they're coming from, what their issue was. And a lot of it is the optics of how I was appointed. I get it. I get why some of these folks think that way. But uh you know, at some point we need to move on. There's going to be an election in 18 months. Citizens of District 3 can decide who they want. It may not be me. It may be me. You know, I'm certainly willing to serve and run. In fact, Odell, I'm going to start uh, a political action campaign. It's going to be called uh, Citizens for Common Ground. Citizens for Common Ground. Okay. That sounds familiar to me. <laughs> and it might have a picture of you and I. I don't know. There you go. Hey, yeah. I don't know. Having a picture of a Democrat might not help you in that. Uh, <laughs> what's the split on Democrat, Republicans, and Independents in your district? Do you know? Uh, yeah, 48% Democrat, 48% Republican, and 2% Independent. That's what I've been told. I haven't looked at the numbers. I'm going to pull the numbers up when I get a chance. I've just been extremely busy. But, wow. Uh, and uh, you, you're right in it. You're right in the middle of it. Yeah. Hey, Odell, you know, you were teasing me about having a Democrat picture on the uh, Common Ground, Citizens for Common Ground. You know, Citizens for Common Ground doesn't care if money comes from an independent, a Republican, or a Democrat. Money is green. Wow. Money is green. And if a Democrat wants to support me, they, they know where I stand. Okay. Right. I'm not changing to a D. I'm staying as an R. I've had Democrats come up to me and said, I've never voted Republican in my life, but you're the kind of Republican I could vote for. Wow. Say that again, Bill. That's so powerful. I've had uh, Democrats, and not uh, more than one, more than a couple, come up to me and say, you know, I've never voted Republican in my life, but you're the kind of Republican I can vote for. 
So I asked him, would you wow. put a yard sign in your front yard? They go, absolutely. Wow. So we're looking at the whole gamut. Just say we were running a race and these are hurdles along the way. One hurdle you have to jump is this thing called critical race theory. Another hurdle may be woke mind virus. Another one indoctrinating our students. All these hurdles you have to run to get to the main thing. And Bill, what's the main thing for you? The kids. It's all about the kids. Last night we were in an event and the superintendent did a great job. By the way, I had lunch with the superintendent. She wants to come on our podcast. So we're going to do that. Superintendent uh, Oakley, Dr. Oakley. Uh-huh. And uh, she's terrific. She's only been a job about six months, but she's worked in the school system her whole adult life, I think. And her kids go to the school. She went to Guilford County School. So she's homegrown, so to speak. And uh, she presented her plan after going on a listening tour to 200 locations and listening to people about what they wanted, what they didn't want. And she came up with four objectives. And uh, it's uh, growing together, it's called as the theme. And uh, working together, she had a nice presentation. But last night they brought in the middle schoolers and they did a a song and a dance routine, and it was terrific. It was they were so adorable. And then they brought in the middle school and high school at the end, and they sang. And it was just it was a really magical time. We did it at Tanger Center. I don't know how many people were there. The whole bottom level was pretty well full. I couldn't see. I was sitting up front with the face in the stage, so I couldn't see. But it was good. Dory went with me, and uh, we had a good time. I ended up staying to the very end. They kicked me and one of her staff people out because uh, we we'd been talking about culture change and all those issues related to the school. And uh, we just got into a great conversation, and then security came and said, hey, we're closing the building. You have to get out. So, Bill, one of the things about a district like yours 48% Republican, 48% Democrats, and 2% independents, more or less. That's a great district. However, a lot of conversations going to be about the tough issues. And one good thing about you that I know about you, that you're not afraid to handle the tough conversations, but you don't want to be led down a bunny trail. Now, they called you everything but a child of God by the way you were on the school board. However, being on the school board, you said... God opened the door. Do you still believe God opened the door and why? Yeah, I do. And he still opens doors. There's no way I could have ever orchestrated all these pieces of the puzzle falling into place to put me on the school board. I basically was in the batter's box, in the on-deck circle, sorry, in the on-deck circle, letting the other candidate be first. And so for all these things to happen over the last, we started talking about this in January. So over the last three or four months, you know, and and having my Boy Scout stuff come to an end, which gives me the time to do it. If you look back and it's not coincidence that all these different events happen. But, you know, and, and not trying to be funny, but Jesus was adorned by some. But when push came to shove, they said, crucify him, crucify, give us Barabbas. But they said, but you know who Barabbas is. He said, it didn't matter. So when your time came with all your qualifications, and I'm not calling you Jesus, but with your qualifications, you were qualified for it. And maybe the other gentleman was too. But when you got selected, people didn't want you. They wanted the other guy. I'm talking about the local GOP. 
And it didn't matter if you were qualified. And I think, Bill, if we just put people on the board of these school boards and stuff because they are flamethrowers, how in the world will you ever get something done? No, you're right. You got to work together. You know, Boy Scouts, you work as a patrol. And if you don't work together, you don't have an enjoyable time on your camp out. You don't eat well and you're uncomfortable. I mean, so you learn in scouting that you've got to get along to get along. And if you don't, there's going to be consequences someplace along the line. And uh, it is interesting. I Today they did a, a very broad budget review. And I started asking a lot of questions related to, you know, how I look at budgets in business. I looked at budgets in Boy Scouts. And I think the CFO was a little stunned because I said, tell me what's in fund one and what's in fund two and what's in fund three. I said, I'd like to do a two-year look back, current year plus two years and look for the variances on major categories and then dig into those categories to see what's causing those major variances. And so I've got to go back and she's going to pull all that information for me. And, you know, when you start looking at the finances, you can start understanding. There's a couple key indicators that you look at, you look at the finances and the changes, but then you also look at the turnover rate and the retention rate of their employees. If they're having a high turnover rate, tells you something's going on. It's not a good sign. Uh, I'll give you an example. Toyota has a plant in Georgetown, Kentucky, and they make Camrys there. I think six or 7,000 employees. They make a uh-huh. new, new Camry. By the time the steel comes in, to the Camrys out the door is anywhere from 10 to 14 days. And uh, I went to the plant. They give plant tours. It's phenomenal. I went there to see, look at their lean operation, how, how they're implementing lean. But I, they give you an auditorium. They give you a little understanding of Toyota and the plant. And you can ask questions. So one of the questions I asked is, what's your turnover rate here? We have 7,000 employees in Lexington, Kentucky. That's probably the largest employer in the area. And she says, if we get to 0.9%, less than 1% of turnover, they get worried. Mm. And most companies, that's unheard of. And so I asked her, I said, "Why do you, what do you attribute the retention rate to? And by the way, the Guilford County school system has a pretty good retention rate. So she said, it's a number of things. One is we pay well. We don't pay outrageous, but we pay what's in the market plus 50%. It's pretty good. We also provide a lot of benefits. For example, we have on-site pharmacy, an on-site cleaning service, an on-site car repair, an on-site daycare, an on-site elder care. There's two or three restaurants, food cafeterias. So once you get on the campus, you can take care of anything. You don't have to worry about, oh, I got to run home to the bank. They had banks on the place. So wow. they basically, once you get there to work, if you have an elder parent, you bring them to work with you and they'll take care of them during the day so you can work. And same thing with young young children. And I don't think they charge for that or if it is, it's very minimal. So when you get working in, in that environment, you know, and then they have the, all the other benefits for okay health and all that. But, uh, you know, today I learned that Guilford County has cancer insurance and cancer care. If you want to take it as part of a benefit and you have history of particular cancer in your family, you can Uh do this. And if you get cancer, it'll pay for it. Your care. Well, you know, thank you so much, Bill. I'm going to switch 
subjects a little bit, but you know, sure. you talked about good education help grow per capita income because people look when companies come here, whether it's Toyota, Boom, all these companies we've talked about previously, they want a well-trained, capable workforce. So we get that. But now let's get into where all the fire comes from, where all the controversy comes from, from the critical race theories or the woke mind viruses or indoctrinating kids or having uh, Satan clubs uh, on school grounds or trans teaching school, uh, drag queens coming and reading books and all that kind of stuff. How do you respond when folks hit you with those challenges? Well, you know, that's a good question. The as I get into this, because, you know, I, I was in the Boy Scouts, we dealt a little bit with it, but not not like I have to now. But it seems to me that a lot of these things are brought up as a political football to try and get an edge and get news so that their name's out there. And, okay. you know, and if you look at, I don't know, the whole Disney story with DeSantis and wokeism with that, it might have been indoctrination. I don't know what it was. I I don't think I need to dig into that because I got to dig into the Guilford County school system. But right, on the right. surface, on the surface, it seems like parties, I'm not picking on Republican or Democrat, parties in general come up with something that they want to hang their hat on and chase and accuse people. So if you don't do what a part what somebody says, oh, you're using wokeism, you're causing wokeism, or you're you're supporting critical race theory, or you're you know, whatever it is. And so it gives them the ability to use it as a blunt instrument to make you feel like, man, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm inferior because I don't understand this. They're superior because they understand wokeism and CRTE, you know, critical race theory. And a lot of these concepts have just come out in the last few years, even though they've been around for a long time. So, but the thing about it, Bill, is like, it's almost like name calling. Now, to difference, we all have our difference of opinion and what the right may say, what, what the left may say, you know, doesn't mean all of it's right, but doesn't mean all of it's wrong. And you are very unique in your district because when you run again, and I know you've just really been on the job for less than a month, but when you run again, you're going to have to show results. All this other stuff is good. But you're going to have to show people results. What did Bill Gobo do to help move the needle for the parents and the students and the educators that's effective in your district? But more important, the whole ball of wax, too, because you're there for your district and your representatives, of course, but you're there for the whole system. Yeah, I am. I am. I'm representing the youth in my district and the parents and the PTAs and the teachers, and the principals and the coaches, they're my constituents. But I got to look at a broader picture. If I fight for my district and get something that's going to hurt the whole district, does that benefit everybody? And uh, so I'm, I've got to balance that from the standpoint of, yeah, my district's first. Absolutely. It should be. But then there's a bigger audience you know, I, I think state legislators have the same issue and congressmen, and senators, you know, they they all fight for their particular area. But then there's a bigger picture. Well, are you intimidated or afraid or concerned sometime when you go out in the public when all these threats of not threats? That's not a good word, but all these negative things people have to say 
on Facebook or Instagram or emails and everything else because you get stuff like, I better not catch you outside or that kind of stuff or not really? No, I haven't had too much of that. You know, maybe some dirty looks and stuff like that. You know, obviously on Facebook, the people that hide behind their keyboard, that's kind of juvenile. And I look at it as just somebody making noise. And I always ask them, I said, let's go out and get a cup of coffee or, you know, and if they say no and they keep doing nasty things, I just defriend them. I don't have to listen to it. Well, Bill, how, where did that toughness come from? Because you've been through the fire. You know, you've been through the fire. Where did that come from? You didn't ever think about quitting or giving up because people said, Bill, we don't like you, but we'll like you if you do what we want you to do. We'll like you if you resign. We'll like you if you vote the way we want you to vote. We'll like you if you say what we want you to say. We'll like you if you will be our puppet. Yeah. Anybody that knows me knows that that's not the case. I don't back down from people like that. I just keep moving forward. You know, they say a jet fighter does not have a rear view mirror. And that's kind of my thing. I'm looking forward. I'm trying to do the best I can to lend my shoulder to this. It's a billion dollar budget. It's a big deal. Lend my shoulder to making the schools better and better for the kids to get an education. You know, they're our future. They're the ones that, you know, when you and I are long gone, they're going to be running the country. And uh, we don't want to leave a mess if we don't have to. And we certainly want to educate them so that they can do all the things that we need to do to run our country. That's business people, politicians, government people, uh, military people, doctors, lawyers, firemen, you know, policemen, you know, all those things. They got to start in school. You got to start in grade school, middle school, high school. And then decide what you want to do. You can go to a trade school, which is terrific. Trade schools are great. You can go to trade school. I found out we have a, a group here. It's apprentice program, Guilford Apprentice Program. And they have 92 students in it. And if you get into this program, your college is paid for, community college. Your books are paid for. You get a salary. You get benefits while you're going to school. And you're doing an apprentice program. And you can start wow. this out as a junior in high school. And what they do is, you know, like you get you get a person that's an athlete, let's say. Well, you know, most of the athletes practice in the afternoon. So the apprentice program was set for go to your school in the morning, then the afternoon go to the company and work and learn your trade, and uh, then go drive back to school and do your, your sports. So they switched it up. They said, hey, why don't we do the apprentice in the morning, send them back around lunchtime, they can do their afternoon school stuff, and then they can go and do all the sports they want. And it's it's a very successful program. I think it's the biggest one in the state we have. I think we have 92 students in it now. And the big issue is we have demand for it, but we don't have enough students. And that's interesting. We, we were discussing, why don't we have students wanting to become CNC machinists or welders or working in a factory or working in a plant? And... Uh, you know, a lot of it, I think, goes back to, particularly in, in this area, North Carolina, we had textile mills, we had tobacco, and we had furniture. And if you go in a textile mill 25 years ago or furniture or tobacco, it was a tough environment. There's no air conditioning. Uh, it was noisy. I don't know if it was dirty, but it was needed cleaning probably. Uh, when you're making fabric, there's a lot of lint. And so I think people here have this image that if you go work in a factory, that's what you're going to get. 
Well, the company, the machine specialists, they make parts for the Land Rover. I mean, not Land Rover, the Mars Rover. And uh, they do stuff for SpaceX. They do stuff for missiles and helicopters and jet fighters, precision materials. So when you're going in there, you're making something for Elon Musk's launcher and something that's going to go on Mars or on the moon. And so there are companies out there and everybody has to find their niche. Right. I don't right. think I, I don't think I could work in a CNC machine company. That's just not me. Could I do the work? Yeah, of course I could do the work. But would I be happy doing it? No. No. Well, Bill, one of the good things about it, everyone doesn't go to college. As you know, when I first met you, one of the things that brought us together is I said, I'd rather see young black males in a Boy Scout uniform instead of a orange jumpsuit. So as we start toward close, can you think that the Boy Scouts could get more involved in Guilford County school systems? How would that work? Yes. I think any scout unit uh, council should be involved in the school system. And let me tell you what I mean by that. When I was in Scouts as the council president, I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know how to get my way around the school system. I didn't have the inside leg to do it. So you always go to the top. You go to the superintendent and they're busy as a one-armed paper hanger. So, but they, they do meet us and talk, give us, you know, talk about school access. As I'm in here learning, like last night, it would have been great for the Scouts if they had known about it if they'd have been in the loop to come and do the Pledge of Allegiance and present the colors. And they missed an opportunity to do that. Why did they miss an opportunity? Because they didn't know about it. Why didn't they know about it? Because they're not involved in the school systems to know about it. And so these are the kind of things, the barriers we have to work together as a team. And it's all fixable. Hey, before we go any further, I want to, I pulled up woke, the meaning of it. Yes. And Wikipedia, so you know it's got to be true. <laughs> woke is an adjective derived from African American vernacular, and uh, meaning to stay alert to racial prejudice and discrimination. Beginning in 2010, it came to encompass a broader awareness of social inequities, such as sexism, and has also been used as shorthand for American left ideas involving identity politics, social justice, such as the notion of white supremacy, slavery, reparations for Americans. The phrase stay woke has history in AAVE. I don't know what that is. As far back as 1930, it might be African-American something. In some contexts, referring to the awareness of social and political issues affected African-Americans. The phrase was uttered in lyrics of recordings by Lead belly in the 20th century post millennium. I don't know what that means. But anyhow, it, it looks like it's been around for a while and it started in the black community. Well, it's interesting because if you start, if you ask Odell, Odell, how do you feel about reparations? I think reparations will come and this is necessary come. You may ask somebody else how they feel about reparations and say, oh my God, never, never, never. You may ask me, how do I feel about critical race theory? And I'm like, well, American's history is America's history. And one of the good things about growing up in South Carolina, we got indoctrinated in Western civilization and talked about, I remember as a third grade, and I know we have to close. I remember a young kid, we'd be in there singing in music class, says, we love our fields of cotton in bright September morn. We love South Carolina, the place that we were born. And we would have to hold that note 
And as a third grade black kid singing about how we love cotton and we loved all this stuff because we are South Carolinas, we are good sand lappers. Yes, we are good sand lappers. And we mighty proud to say that we live. Yes, we live in a very fine state of USA, South Carolina. Now that's indoctrination, Bill. So this all things on who decide what school or what book to teach and what's the schools and everything that's been going on for a while. So the good thing I like about our program, Common Ground, we agree to disagree and that's part of it. So listen, of course, you are the elected official. You are the grand poobah. You are the school board of one of the richest districts in Greensboro. So do we need to call you a new name, Bill? Do we need to call you Grand Poobah? What do we need to call you, sir? <laughs> uh, listen, if you want to call me something, go on my Facebook or some people's Facebook page. You'll get a lot of adjectives to call me. You know, there's only one one comment that kind of got under my skin. And what was that? Well, and it, it reflected on uh, Donald Trump. Somebody criticized my comb over. And okay. I'm thinking, I'm thinking they're worried about my comb over. Look at Trump. <laughs> Bill, we love you. Listen, we're going to let you go. Thank you so much. And I am so proud that you are the elected official. And when you get your all your official re-election stuff together, we're going to just blow it as hard as we can from the mountaintops. Because with that demographics in your district, man, you are the man who serve all the people. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Love you, man. I hope your life goes better. All right. Bye-bye. Find Bill and Odell online at thecommonground.show. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. All rights reserved. This podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly, the triad's largest circulating and best read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years. Whether you're a big, medium, or small business, managing and growing the bottom line is important. Focus CFO brings the experience and financial acumen of a Fortune 100 chief financial officer to your company at a fraction of the cost. PNL help, internal reporting processes, or any business transitions or events. Focus CFO will help you and your team have a CFO in your company's back pocket. Focus CFO. Learn more at focuscfo.com.